welcome to episode 317 of TechSing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and that guy over there, Jason Roberts. Are we are we live? Is that real, or are you just messing around? No, that was real. Yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Good. <All right. laughs> well, this is why a late, not? This is a late start for us, isn't it? We normally don't do a late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Run. Well, it's just the way that it's worked out. You know, like last week, Georgie uh, was at a training course for the whole week. Mm. Um, so I had Jack all week. And okay. um, then she, we had the day off yesterday. So we were out doing stuff. And today she had to work late. So it's worked yeah. out that way. Okay. That's just the way it worked. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So it's been a while, probably about a month. Yeah, right? but that's not long. Compared to the year. Well, no, we were getting on a roll there every yeah. two weeks. Then we got a little lazy. Well, part of it is my fault because I take sometimes a week or two to do the show it's notes. It's the show notes, yeah, um, for sure. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, so what's, uh, how, are, how are things going? What's what's the latest? Uh, living the dream. Yeah? Yeah, yeah are you? Yeah, living the dream, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have, like, a massive update. Um you know, I've just been working on Nugget, getting it to uh, before beforehand. It was like the the whole the holding batches, and then and then they came on board. And I've been converting the whole site to rolling batches, and also building a real marketing site. So you know, I was just showing it to you just now. So, okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Rolling batches versus what kind of bat? Wait, uh, what's what's holding batches? Holding batches. So rolling batches. This means that anybody can sign up anytime. and join at any time. Yeah, the system automates the batch creation process and and connecting people into a batch. Okay, so you have you make me a little bit of noise over there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, so what does it do? It's like if there's as long as there are like a minimum number. Once you have six or eight or ten, no, no, you're you're in. It it basically says it it says if you're the first person, it says, "Well done for being the hero who's the first person." There's no one else here, uh, but that's okay because every discussion that you see um, in the through the course, there's a drop down that shows all the other batches, mm-hmm. so you can go ahead and have a look at you know all the previous discussions that happened, and it also says you are the standard bearer for this batch. So if you say something that's just short and terse. Pretty much everyone else is going to say because that's the what that's what's proven to be true. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't be short and terse. Like, do, be, be be like you know, uh, gregarious. Don't and, be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> be be gregarious in what you say, and then the rest of the people coming in will will also be. You know. Okay. Um. And has anyone signed up in the in your role in, as a well, it's rolling not, batch it's, it's member? It's not launched yet. It's not launched yet. But um, when I do launch it, which is going to be fairly soon, probably within the next week. Might even be by the t- wait. I'm just thinking. Would it be by the time this show is released? In fact, the rate that Jason does show notes, absolutely, it definitely will be released. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. I'm doing <laughs> the show notes tonight. <laughs> I'm going to have them out just um, to prove you wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so I think that's good. And, and really, this is the beginning of. In in many ways, it's the beginning of Nugget. The beginning of the revenue generation. Like anyone can sign up. Then my whole next phase will basically turn to marketing. You know, okay. I will do blog posts, try and do some hacker news stuff, mm-hmm. some product. I'll do a repush to product hunt mm-hmm. um, as the Nugget Startup Academy because that's the other the other thing that I showed you there in the marketing is that um, beforehand the whole thing was about ideas. Now I've completely removed any plans or anything related to ideas. The entire of Nugget is just the Nugget Startup Academy. It's nothing else. So. 
so is, does anyone belong to that service of just getting free ideas or whatever? Is yeah, some... people. Pe so you can. So basically, the way that I the way that I'm pitching it is, you can you can get a free account and have a poke around the academy. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you'll see is the free ideas. But that and and there's also another little uh, link on the homepage that says startup ideas, and it's like a lead. It's like a, a kind of a lead magnet, I guess you okay. call it. But um, you know, the whole thing is pitched around the academy now. Like the the ideas are just one lesson mm -hmm. out of 150 lessons in the academy, and they're okay. just kind of a useful thing that's in there. Right, yeah. right. How many have you had? Any more batches come in since we last did a show? Six batches in total now. Because I think we had only you'd only had like me four. Yeah, so I mean, it's like almost 60 people have gone through it at this stage, and it's working very nicely. How are I mean, how many people have graduated, completed all the stages? No one has. No one has. Um, but but uh, one person has revenue now. Really? Yeah. So that's the main, that's kind of like a big deal, right? right. That, 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 that they money. have revenue and that they've, that they've kind of, um, so th that's Chris Franklin who's creating something called Get Upgraded. Okay. He's the one who's building the, the stuff for like you uh, upgrade your life and get a job at Google or Facebook or whatever. I see. Okay. Okay. But, but his, but what I, the way that I try and drive everyone on the course is to get, is to kind of get this little snowball. That's like this little tiny center point of an onion uh -huh. that could massively scale as a business. Uh -huh. So if you think, so he's just creating, he's created like four micro courses at the moment. Okay. Like, so he's kind of upgrading you from a coding point of view, uh -huh. but if he's collecting all of these young graduates who are looking to get into those places, then it's just a natural extension that he's going to be able to cut deals with Google and, and Facebook and, you know, be, cut be, deals, how? basically be a hub, you know, be a hub and directly, directly pass the best, the best ones to them and okay. kind of have adverts on there for them. And I mean, there's, there's a million different things he could do right. you know, with a brand like that. I think brandings were kind of important, like what, what your brand is as well. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's real revenue, not like ten dollars a month, kind of. No, it's not real revenue yet. It's still it's still small revenue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's just sold a few a few seats in his courses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's it's that uh, you know it takes time. Have you learned anything time. about people? What causes people to just stop, stall out? Yeah, absolutely. I really have. Um, and um, that's one of the things that I got on the marketing site is, um, uh, are you a good fit for the academy? So. Shall I, do you want to hear the, the dropout indicators or the success indicators first? I want to hear the dropout indicators first. That's, okay. It's kind of like, remember that guy? I've come to his name. He was a comedian. And he, said, and it, he always had this line, line of jokes called, you might be a redneck, you know? Like if you have a, 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 a car in your front yard up on, you might be a redneck, you know? If you, <laughs> yeah. do, you know, he's always serious. Like you might, you know, it's like, it almost reminds me of that. Like, okay, or, you know, you might be a startup dropout or a startup quitter. Well, I see. I mean, basically, the way that I pitched, I'm, I introduced this is like everyone is different. Every program is different. But in our case, based on our data, the below indicators predict a founder will drop out of the academy. Okay, so what are they? So This is also like a Cosmo. Right, <laughs> ten signs <laughs> you might be about to quit your startup. Well, the, the, <laughs> primary, the primary thing is doesn't do it the academy way. So... Basically, anyone who, anyone who comes in, I've got to tell you a funny story about this, but anyone who comes in and just does their own thing doesn't really seem to, to progress very well because they're kind of just doing what they already were doing. Right, which wasn't But they're working. doing it in the course. All right, so, so, let's, okay, let's, so, so, let's, so this is clearly like a, a Harker News article, 10 signs that you're about to quit working well, on your... Yeah, well, no, I, I don't know... Or that your startup idea is going to I don't know fail. if it's for other, for other courses, but it is for the academy. 
You I can don't. say what we've learned so far. Ten yeah. reasons you're about to, you know. Yeah, right, but right. it is, it is, it's a, it's a but, good. But, but I'm just saying, like, I think there's been three or four people who've just completely not. I guess they just wanted to have a look inside, uh-huh. you know? and 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 I don't know if they're going to be successful or not. But they're definitely they're definitely not ha- um, being successful within the academy in the same way that other members who are like really kind of getting close Moving to validating the something Moving really the steps yeah hardcore things. and good yeah. So basically, does not interact with the community. That's okay. a pretty big one. Yeah. Okay. So it just seems to be a correlation between people who drop out and don't interact with the community. So I'm going to draw immediate correlations to um, being in a, a school. Okay. So does not show up to class. <laughs> does not participate. Class participation low. Yeah, okay. Okay. It's no. true. Doesn't do it. Doesn't do what the schools say. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Okay. Is already pursuing a, a specific. Is already dead set on pursuing a specific idea. And that is just once again, the 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 whole leverage that the academy brings is it makes you stand back and look at look at holistically you as a founder and everything that you've done, all your knowledge, and it and I call it a force multiplier. Basically, uh-huh. it's a force multiplier upfront to get you to to get you to spit out like fifty to hundred ideas and really look at yourself and self reflect and pick something that's really right for you as a founder at that time at that yeah. moment, and that's. People are already pursuing a specific idea because they thought it was cool, okay. rather than because it suits them, rather than because it's it's right for their stage. Got it. Okay. You know? So that's a big one. Um, doesn't have the time available. Doesn't have ten hours a week available. Okay. So anyone anyone doesn't have the time available, drop out. Simple, right? Well, I've I've um I've noticed that in uh you know when I would we would hire people for uh, Math Academy to be content developers and. You know, we say if somebody says they have 20 hours a week, they have five to seven. If they say they have 10 hours a week, they probably have two to three hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, um, so that's why they went Alex, who runs the content team um, or teams, um, yeah. he uh, he holds people like, you have to do this, otherwise we can't use you. Mm-hmm. Like, you If you're, you know, we have to, we, you have to at least 10 to 15 hours a week, otherwise it's, uh, you know. And I mean, sometimes if someone says, hey, I have a rough week or next two weeks, I'm going to be doing something, um, but then I'll be back on. You know, we work with people once they've demonstrated a certain level of commitment. But um, anyway, it's just I think it's human nature. People always think they have more time available than they really do. Yeah, they always are. People tend to overestimate that, you know, especially because most people have a full time job or they're full time student or they have other things in their life. And trying to carve out ten hours a week—that's two hours a day, every single day. It is, yeah. Every weekday—that's tough. Well, yeah, that's tough. But it's—it's it's a huge indicator of like if you're going to be successful or not. If you do right. a little something every day. Yeah. So another one. This is a really big one. Doesn't ask questions. Okay. Really big one. Right. Like, and I mean, it's just like the people—the people who ask questions. It's like you, like you and I were talking about, like that bounce backward and forth, forth to find the truth. Yeah, there's none of that going on, so they're just it, they're just going off their own kind of instinct or whatever, which is probably wrong, right? Well, I mean, the number one. Okay, so one thing, I'm obviously not the only one who says this, but when I talk to startup, you know, entrepreneurs who who want me my help, and I'll, I'll be like, number one thing you got to be doing is talk to customers. Right, exactly. That's the most important thing to do. Like Paul Graham says that all the time. I mean, well, it's like you can't, yeah. and, and, and part of it is that you have to be engaging in the process. Now, if part of that process through the nugget, in the nugget experience is talking with other 
talking with the mentors, talking with the mentors, talking with the gaining entrepreneurs. Inf- yeah. Gathering information, gaining insight, you know, yeah. you know, again, class participation, right? So if right. you're just not engaging, it probably also means that they're just not engaged. They're not thinking about it at all. So I'm just hoping that, because so I'm driving, if someone buys, if someone clicks the buy button, mm-hmm. I basically say, look, I, I'm, I'm not trying to kill my conversion funnel, but please do go and read this page before you buy, because I just don't think you should buy if you, if you think that you're going to have these traits. Mm-hmm. So let me give you some of the success indicators. We'll go through them quick. So people who do something small every day, I mean, they just... They keep moving. Okay, well that okay. That is a huge indicator <laughs> in life in general is just what is your daily habit? Mm-hmm. It can start out small, but at least you're doing some every day. You know, it's like when about working out, go to the gym every day. Even if it's like 20, 30 minutes and you just kind of do some little stuff, you know, just get the habit going because your mind is on it. It's all about momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um uh yeah, that's establishing a daily habit um, yeah. is, I think, just about, maybe the second step, the first step is just is just coming up with like, I've realized that there's something I need to do and I want to do it. Once you do that, you say, okay, I want you to lose weight, I want to create a startup, I want to, you know, whatever, then it's like establish a daily it, habit. And it seems to track with it. people who track their progress in the, in the momentum look. So the, the the guys who like say what they've done, like do that that little stand up, you know that little stand up few bullet points. Yeah. I did this. I did this. Okay. Those so, those ones. <laughs> okay. So if you're not weighing yourself every day, guess what? You're probably not losing weight. <laughs> well, you know, I've been watching my dad. I'm like, are you weighing yourself? No. So you're not losing weight. Right? Okay. You have to you have to measure that which is measured is moved. So and one other thing is like, in <laughs> along those lines, it's like. When you have, you know, and I have people kind of, uh, you know, developers working for me in Upwork, if they're not, if they're not giving me a daily update, the resistance because they haven't done anything. They're hiding. Yeah. They're hiding. You haven't done anything. It's like any time you've done something and you feel a little bit proud of how I did something, you want to talk about it. You know, when I'm talking with Phil, if Phil is on momentum and working out, he's like talking trash and texting me about this. If he is, if he's like kind of falling off the wagon, it's like, well, it's awfully quiet lately. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who's, you know, and uh, it's just, that's just how life is, you know? So you're, you're absolutely right. Like they, if they're not logging their progress, you're probably right. That means they're probably not making progress. So, it's rare that people put in the effort to make progress and then don't want to put in the extra couple minutes to like, you know, talk about it and say, yeah, you know, I did this, mm-hmm. I did that. So here's, here's an interesting one. And, and this might just be, um, what's it called? A confirmation bias or something? But I've just noticed this. I could, I could be wrong, but it really does seem to be this way. People who use a full sentence writing style. So the people who just, who just say, you know, like in in their daily log worked on code they don't seem to get anywhere versus the people who like say oh yeah i spoke to like four people and like two of them checked out and one of them said this amazing thing and so the ones who like are i guess verbose Mm -hmm. seem to be more successful well (laughs) what does that are specific specific i think it's about it's not about the much they they probably not has some correlation to the amount you write because being specific usually requires more words than being vague. Okay. Usually when someone's lying to you or hiding or being elusive, 
they're not being specific. Okay. That's one tell when I would tell them. When everyone says, oh, yeah, I did something like that's bullshit. I can tell right away they're bullshitting me if they're like kind of, if they're being vague and they're not really getting into details. People who have done stuff, who know what they're talking about, et cetera, are specific. It's more effort usually to be vague than it is to be specific. Hmm. Okay. You know, if you say, well, what'd you, what'd you do for lunch? Oh, I, you know, I kind of just went out. No, I went to Pollo Loco. <laughs> Like it's easier to just say what you did than, than to kind of like give some vague, bullshitty answer, okay. right? So I think that's right. But but you're you're also right. It's the same thing about logging. If you've done something and you're excited about it, you want to talk about it, and you want to talk about it in a little bit of detail. You know, so like when I leave the gym and I hit a new PR, guess what? I'm I'm writing out the fill. Boom, back squat, five times this, the deadlift, this. I'm texting of that stuff, specifically my my sets and reps per exercise, you know, just to keep him updated, you know, because I'm excited about it, mm. right? If I just said went to gym, he'd be like, oh, he's, of course, I wouldn't even say, I probably wouldn't even say anything, mm-hmm. which would be the indicator that I just, I didn't go to the gym or I just kind of didn't, I had a bad day or whatever. Is open to self-reflection. So we, there's, a, there's one of the first tasks that I ask founders to do is I basically say, look, what is your plan for failure? You failed in the past. You've got patterns that you, that you obviously do all the time. <laughs> what are those patterns? What are your failure patterns? And what are your failure patterns? And what is your counterbalance plan this time around in this course to not do that? And it's the, it's the ones who like really think about that. And once again, give a verbose answer and really do have a plan. They're the ones. They're the ones. That, that, that to me seems to be an indicator. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, what are, what, are, what are things people say? I'd be curious. What are some of people's failure patterns? Or one of the big p- ones is, is shiny object syndrome. Yeah. You know, um, and the best, the best answer for that is to really try hard to, to shoot for something that you're passionate about. Yeah. You know, um, and some people say, one, one member said, you know, I, I don't like asking for help. And um, said, I'm going to commit to asking for help. And that made a big difference. That's really good. So that's part of the stages. Is, is that a phase or step that you guys you go that's through? That's like one of the first things, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, I think that's really understanding how you fail, what your pattern is, yeah. and, then, and, and actually writing that down. Oh, yeah. And that's all available. That's why the mentoring platform, when that comes in, is going to be beautiful. Mentors are going to be able to go in and look at this stuff and really understand, get a snapshot of the whole founder. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thanks. Um, And, you know, a lot of these other ones are just the inverse of the other ones, like, you know, regularly ask questions, um, you know, follows the academy process, uh, regularly participates in the community. You know, those are just the inverse of the of the dropout indicators well it's like in class does it do you show up to class <laughs> yeah. do you do your homework do you participate and ask questions yeah do you go to office hours you know you start doing you know do you do something every day or do you wait the night before to do your paper your homework i mean right mm-hmm. you know those those are all the success indicators in school probably 16 for anything you know this is just sort of consistent engagement every day and um yeah i mean that's that's and and then measuring your you know having some way of measuring your progress right being being sort of um accountable holding yourself accountable Mm -hmm. you know Um, so so i guess what i've done this 
like the whole marketing side of it is similar to what I did with Plugio, which is all the stuff that I learned through MicroConf. And basically it's just creating like a, like a kind of a wide, you know, site that, that, that customers can go ahead and research and like ask questions from every different way. But one, one of the big things I think that I'm, that I've been thinking about, and I don't know whether I told you this or not, but, um, I, you know, I really want to go to Y Combinator. Did I tell you this story? I really want to go. I've always wanted to go to Y Combinator. I've never been able to get in. In the same you way that- You never applied. Pardon? You never applied. I have applied. Yeah. I applied for light. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, and um, anyway, so, I, you know, it, that would be like amazing for me, but I, I can't, I haven't been able to. And um, it's the same with buying a Tesla. I've always wanted to own a Tesla, right? Mm -hmm. And when I go into a Tesla store, what do I walk out with? A key ring, right? <laughs> so that I can kind of have a little piece of Tesla. So that's sort of what I, that was the thing that hit me about this and kind of a big part of the reason why I really wanted to sell this as an incubator. Because I know that it's not Y Combinator, but it's kind of the key ring of Y Combinator. <laughs> I think a little more than a key ring, you know? I mean, It's a bit sure. more, it's a bit more than that. Yeah, but... Um, but but it, 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 it made me think of disruption theory and, you know, how... Um, you know, cheaper and worse, you know? And like, that's, this is all like selling it bad. It's not bad. It's, it's bloody brilliant. It's doing extremely well, right. but still this is the, this is the thinking that I'm, I've had about mm -hmm. it, you know? And so I think that, I think that that's one thing. And what, where I'm leading to is with rolling batches, you can sign on any time you can get in, you can be part of it. And keeping in mind, um, Plugio's price points of about 24 bucks and me getting up to a 3000 a month revenue. Mm -hmm. I think that this is going to get up to a five to $10,000 revenue relatively yeah. quickly. Yeah. And I think that uh, those will be some nice numbers to be able to report on the show. Nice. Well, good. So that's the hope. I mean, I'm not, you know, my, my next phase is going to be um, going to take the founder first presentation that I think I showed you. And um, I'm just going to book myself to talks all around LA all these kind of bar camps and these different working spaces. And I'll do, do that online as well. And I'll do blog posts, try and, you know, do interesting stuff that gets on Hacker News and just a, a bunch of different content marketing and just try and build that funnel. And I'll probably experiment with paid advertising. Right. That's really what it's going to be. Um, because the next piece is going to be building a mentor platform, which is going to be a, a rather large piece of work. Yeah. So that's the nugget update. That's it. Just that. That's all I'm getting. Yep. <laughs> no, that's uh well that's good. That's good stuff, man. Um all right. Change topics. Please. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Well, uh, I see you brought you... my book back. Oh, the after the... how many years since oh, you had the... it? What is it? Is it like seven or eight years? Nah, it's not that long. Uh, six years at least. No, because we we did it at the the house you you stayed at before. I think it's probably like four or five years. Okay, say five years. Well, Blondie I'm, 24. What does know, it say? What does it say on the front? It has a subtitle. It says playing at the edge of AI. So that was with David Fogel, who we interviewed on the show, who built a world class, who evolved a world class checkers playing algorithm. He's an expert in um, machine learning and specifically evolutionary neural nets. Now, I have read the first chapter. Um, <laughs> so Why did I loan it to you in the I first place? I was wondering. Place? What, what, what I just wanted to read it. No, no, no. I, but what were you interested in that made oh, me. Oh, I was doing. Wasn't I doing some AI stuff? Well, you were interested in it. Yeah. I don't think you did anything with it. You was it trading? I don't know. Maybe. I can't remember. 
There's been so this many. Year, it was one of the things you get temporarily. There's been so many about. ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that's my that's one of my all time favorite um, nonfiction books. Uh, is you know it just chronicles his story where he and uh, his grad student um, they uh, they write this neural net and they evolve it using a genetic al- the weights using genetic algorithms and um, and uh, they the thing run like a month or something on like some like four eighty six Pentium four eighty six or something you know this is a while back and I think they were like oh crap like they had a bug in the code. <laughs> After it run like for a month or something, and I think maybe it did, but that turned out not to be that big a deal. So then they get the code out, and then they start playing with it on, um, you know, taking its moves and playing on like I think it was like Yahoo or one of these places we could play chess. And they had, and they gave a handled Blondie twenty four, and they created this sort of persona, yeah, of this. She it was a female, like math grad student or something who was playing a lot of chess because she had some kind of an injury and so she was in the hospital for a while so she was just playing that was her whole thing and so that was yeah. hilarious that he and his grad student were being were with guys were being hit on <laughs> <laughs> like all these guys playing chess against them because they had this really cute picture as a profile picture and they were That's just funny. like it was really weird having these guys in on them <laughs> they're just they're trying to just carry that. Oh, so funny. Anyway, highly recommended. Blondie twenty four. If you will, if you're interested in that kind of kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, got a really nice unexpected gift. Um, John Humphrey, one of our listeners, who's a domainer in part. I think this is more of a hobby of his than anything. Oh yeah, John. Yeah. He um he says he just sent me an email and he says it was titled MathAcademy.net. He's like, look what I just picked up. Wow. Point. He says, so he just, I guess, saw that it was about to drop. He like monitors these domain name servers and, yeah. and things and these things that are like, I'm not, not domain, but registrars, I guess, not domain name servers, but you know, like what are, what's about to expire and yeah. keeps an eye on things and puts catches out there. And so he, he got it for me and just said, Hey, here you go. That's so cool. So, such a nice guy. He's yeah, done that he, for a number of times. He's done something similar for me too. And that's, and what is your one? You've got mathacademy dot what? I have .us, but now I have that's dot .net. Dot .net, so that's yeah. an upgrade, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I also want to try and get mathacademy.com, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to reach out to whoever owns it, see if I can buy yeah. that. I mean, that would be the ideal if I can get yeah. it. But well, .net's still pretty good. Yeah, hell yeah, that's yeah, really good. Um, so that was, that was super cool. Um, so we got another uh, email notification, I guess, um, compelling science fiction. Yes. Joe Stacks um project mm-hmm. I, I guess we're sometime in the next couple weeks we're supposed to receive our books yeah I'm, he said something he sent some email out where i guess he's gonna have like what 1700 pounds of books or something he's gonna deliver he's gonna be spending the next couple weeks just <laughs> emailing those out to everybody so we should get that and you know, whatever else we get with it you you donated quite a oh, bit. oh yeah yeah and so um i did like 80 bucks and i think you did something more like yeah um, i can't remember what it is now I just got great news from the printer. The books will be finished printing in the next few days. Once they ship approximately 1,700 pounds of books to me via bulk freight, cool. I'll be yeah. packaging them up and sending them out. Nice. Yeah, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that Joe's project is kind of has some, you know, legs. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that he just is passionate about it, right? Mm-hmm. So he just works on it, and that's the whole key, you know. It's like do things that you really, really care about, not things that are just you think are going to make you some money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's found his his path to like high revenue, but I'm sure he will if he sticks at it. Well, you know, like 
look, high revenue is not the end all be all. Making a lot of money isn't like mm-hmm. if, if you have a job that you like and you make enough money, then that's fine, right? I mean, having a bunch of money to do what? I mean, what, what's most important is that you enjoy what you do day to day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, yeah, no, he's a professional engineer. I'm sure he lives has a has a good living and being able to do something like that he that he really is excited about is cool. It was funny. I was talking with um, this uh, uh, Alan. He's a he live he's a local guy who um, is an entrepreneur and he's had a few different projects and uh, yeah. I used to funny. I used to he when I was when the version V one of Operation Superhero kicked off. He, I kind of dragged him along with me because, like, right, right within the first few weeks of my uh, when I started working out, I saw him up at the gym, and I used to play basketball with him a lot. Oh yeah, and at the Twenty Four Fitness there in Altadena, and he, and he saw me, and he's like, he saw that I, that you know, like I've been in better shape, and he's like, oh wow, hey, what are you doing? And so then we started talking about it, and he had done a lot of CrossFit and things, so he, he was like, oh okay, I'll work out with you. And what was hilarious about it is that he. I would make him kind of like work out with me, like, all right, we're doing squats now, we're doing this, and he's just like, okay, you know. But really, what he wanted to do was talk about startups. Oh, really? That's but awesome. I would kind of not make it easy on him because <laughs> I was just obsessed with working out, and he just wanted to ask me, "What do you think about this?" And so he, I, I could see him trying to figure out like when he think he could squeeze in another question. <laughs> I was like, and it kind of reminded me of. The guy who funded my first startup, he had, he had had a big exit and was worth a ton of money. And all he wanted to talk about was like paragliding and kayaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I remember like, here's this idiosyncratic, like rich guy. And he's, he's like a PhD in molecular biology from Caltech. And he sold this, you know, big biotech company to Motorola and all this, you know, but that's all he cared about was, was kayaking. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so let's, he's like, I went down to visit his place. He had a beach house down in San Juan Capistrano, which is like an hour hour plus drive from here and i drive down there to just kind of give an update on prezo remember he backed the whole prezo yeah stuff. remember that yeah and so i'm down there and and we're talking for a while and he's like hey you want to go get some mexican food i'm like yeah he's like you want to kayak there i'm like <laughs> that's straight out straight out of a movie that is i mean that is a hundred percent judd apatow comedy do you want to kayak there yeah that's that's exactly. hilarious and so it was already like dark no that's out of silicon valley actually sorry it silicon is. valley like yeah, yeah. it's that that guy who you know that you know the guy who has the ferrari yeah, yeah. it's that guy that's why i watched that movie when i watch that show whenever i'm stressed about things i can't watch the show because it's too close to my life I that guy like, oh, I he pulls watch- up he pulls up with his ferrari and then he goes i'm gonna piss in it i'm gonna piss on my own ferrari <laughs> <laughs> Fez was a big personality, but he wasn't that. He wasn't like an ass like that guy. Fez was an awesome guy, but he was just he was just really into that kind of stuff. And he was in adventure racing. He did this, like these week long adventure races, you know, where they That's would awesome. call this crazy stuff. And um, so he's like, "Yeah, you want to go? We'll, we'll kayak there." And I'm like. We're gonna kayak to Mexican <laughs> Like, how does that work? He's like, yeah. So he and I realized he had a big because his house was literally on the beach. Like, you walk out, step one side, step out of his back door, off the steps, and you're in the sand, you know. And so we're we're, we're kind of sitting out there. And so I see this big kayak. So we go sea kayaking down. In, out, we go way out to the sea, in the ocean. I mean, maybe like a 
quarter to maybe half a mile out and they were cutting across like the bay and then we and then we go off we end up and go to this mexican restaurant that was like a few miles away and uh, it's like dark and like i'm like boy we're getting kind of far out here. <laughs> you wouldn't want to drink like what does was he does, did he does he drink alcohol i he may have i don't remember i'm sure he does. oh my god but it was so funny i mean like I mean, because you're getting way out there, right? I mean, we were way out in the ocean, like this kayak, and my arms start get, are just burning because I don't have good kayak form, right? And he's like, oh, it's all right, all right, just see, like, just picture, just I'll, 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 I'll row for a minute because I had to keep taking breaks because I would try and muscle it and not use the right form, you know? Anyway, we eventually get to Mexican food. And then, we, of course, we go reading. I'm like, oh, shit, we got a kayak back. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, so he, so so when I'm at working out with Alan, I'm I'm kind of smiling to myself, going, I know I've been the other guy, right? I've been on his side where you're just like so laser focused on your startup, and you just there's this guy you're with, and you want to get insight from, and you want to answer some questions, but you don't want to drill them to death, and and they're just like obsessed with this ridiculous thing, like I'm obsessed with dunking and and lifting weights, and he's just like, <laughs> what the why are you <laughs> she's like so at uber did you do this so this i'm like yeah 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 they're, they're right right hey so come on look should we do sets of three or sets of five <laughs> <laughs> so you're the kayaking guy i am i'm like i'm that guy and i know but the thing is i'm self-aware enough to know that i'm being ridiculous and i'm kind of i mean i wasn't as i don't think it's well i guess trying to dunk a basketball in your mid-40s is as ridiculous as kayaking probably even more ridiculous I mean, in fact, that would be something stupid enough to show up on a Silicon Valley that you'd run into some guys trying to do that. Um, That's a- <laughs> so anyway, it was so, so anyway, I dragged him through that, just make him, you know, he, you know, go through his hell workouts with me and stuff. And, you know, he was game for it, I guess. Now, there was a re- you brought but, this up because of, there was a reason why you brought yeah, this up. Yeah, the reason I bring it up is so we were at lunch. So we've been going to lunch, we've had lunch a few times. Oh, one other thing I'll say is usually when people would want to meet, me for lunch i'd always try and say hey they're driving from wherever like we'll go get sushi or we'll go get some argentinian food we'll ha- eat somewhere kind of semi-nice at this point i'm just like you know what screw it we're, we're going loco. to play loco like i Everyone. don't care i don't care anymore if you want to have lunch with me, that's where i'm eating i mean you are like you're like gus fring in breaking bad have you seen breaking bad i've only saw part of the first season oh, okay yeah it's a similar situation but it's just like i just was like you know i have a diet that I'm sticking to, and every time I like have to go eat with somebody, I kill my diet, right? Yeah. It's like this, I know exactly how many carbs and protein and calories that I, I'm consuming at lunch, because I get the same thing. And so <laughs> so I'm just like, hey man, I, I, he's like, you want lunch? I'm like, yeah, Pollo Loco, what time you want to be there? <laughs> I'm there at 12.30. <laughs> so I've had a few different people who, and who, but who, they should. Re- people should realize by this stage, you know, Puyo Loco is just office hours for you. Like, <laughs> just turn up at twelve thirty, Puyo Loco, yeah, Jason's well, there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we're there at Puyo Loco. I'm. He's eating his burrito. I'm eating my chicken and beans. And he's like, he's like, he goes, you know, he goes. So like, you've kind of succeeded. So like, what what do you? what keeps you motivated or what, you know, like as if I like won like, you know, a Nobel prize or won the world champion or something, you know? And I, cause to him, I guess it does look like I've rung the bell or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm just thinking, but one thing I said to him, I was like, look, dude, here's the thing in life. Like no matter what your goal is, 
whether it's to make a million dollars or you know go pub make your public your startup public or to be on the front of Time magazine or when, I don't care whatever heck it is. Reaching that once you reach that goal, the goal itself, the success from that goal is very fleeting. Mm. You know, I mean, we, you know, it's like yeah, there are certain monetary rewards which will make your life a little more comfortable and a little less stressful, but things like you know. Because of the math kind of stuff, Sandy and I had a bunch of articles written in the newspaper and stuff. Yeah, it's, it was nice. But then it's kind of like, hey, the article, hey, check it out. Okay. You know, you have a few friends email you, go, oh, man, cool. And it's nice. But, I mean, it's just like, then it's over, right? It's like a one-minute snippet of a conversation at a din- dinner party. Like, to, it's, it's, I've, I've got exactly the same scenario with Money Penny. It's like, I show people, oh, I was in a band. Well, watch the video. Okay, done. It's over. I mean, it's over. You know, it's like, you know, um, you know, and, and again, because of the Math Academy thing, we were recognized at a few of these big of um, these awards, and you know, we stood up for a big audience, and they gave us an award, and we gave us talk to people, and you know, everybody stood up and gave a applause. That was nice. You know, everybody kind of imagines that oh, I'll be given, I'll be recognized, I'll win this award, and they'll just be dreaming of this moment of success, right? This moment of triumph and recognition, right? And it is nice, but it lasts like 10 minutes, and then it's over. I mean, imagine winning an Oscar. People are just like, I just win, I won an Oscar. And then they win the Oscar, and they get called up there, and they give their speech, and then they get lots of phone calls and emails of congratulations for the next few days, week, and then it slowly trails off, and then it's kind of it's over. And now it's just this thing that's sitting on their mantle. And, and now then, it's like, let's try and win the next one. Yeah. So, you know, and I was telling that. I was like, look, you know, Here's the thing. Um, it's not about you. You won't be happier for any length of time after you reach the goal. I mean, a little bit, but really, it's the happiness for striving for the goal. You have to strive for something. As long as you have that, you'll be happy. Especially if you care about this, the process of getting there. So it's like, you know, well, I'm going to be really happy when I can dunk a basketball. So I'm talking about this crazy. It's like, well, you know, really, it's just like a, it's like in, in, in uh, movies, they call it the MacGuffin. Have you heard that phrase? Mm-hmm. So you have to have a MacGuffin. What are the characters trying to get, to, to achieve? And you'll see, there has to be a MacGuffin. Otherwise, there's a story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do they want? What are they trying to do? And, and so, but as long as you have a MacGuffin in your life, that gets you, doing something every day that you're obsessed with that you're really excited about that you can measure and 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 and, and anguish about and push for like that's the journey that that's what's fun right and mm-hmm. the people i think who are oftentimes enjoying life the least other than people who have been beset by some kind of personal tra- tragedy you know that's i'm talking about people who okay aside from something horrible has happened to you or you're in just some god-awful life situation but for everybody else it's when you don't really have a goal and you're just kind of not really trying to achieve anything. I think that's when people are least happy. And, and that even goes for people who have achieved something amazing and then they're just like, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. I won the Olympic gold. I won the Oscar. I won the Nobel Prize. Now what? You know, now what? And then just sitting around, it's like what you have to do is you have to immediately then have your next goal. And it's, it's, it's really tricky because... You end up in a situation like I did with Plugio and Light, where you've done Plugio, you've you've had an exit. You think, okay, now I'm supposed to do something like this, 
I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to build an Uber. You know, that's my next thing. So I'll do light and I'll spend nine months working on that and building that. And then you realize, wait, that was a completely wrong MacGuffin. <laughs> that MacGuffin was a complete waste of time. And it's very easy to pick the wrong one. Very well, easy. yeah, I mean, I think in the end, you want to you wanna have a goal that's somewhat achievable, mm -hmm. right? Or at least is has steps along the way that you can achieve. Well, I, I, I would say you want to have a goal that you want. And a goal you want, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to deceive yourself that you want something. Maybe not you. Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who's like always really, really clear on what you want. I mean, you've you are, but I think I don't think I'm the only person who kind of yeah, gets gets yeah, sucked into a trap. You know, maybe like his ego or something. Was yeah, it's ego, ego. Yeah, it's an yeah, ego thing. It's like you think, oh, I want to be rich. I want to do. I want to do this. I want to. You know, I I want the respect. You want you're craving I want the respect. respect. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's easy to get sucked into that for for, for some people anyway. Look, here's everyone. the thing. Here's the reality. Your friends don't care because they like you anyway. Mm -hmm. You think your care friends are going to respect you more? They're not. They're already like you're my friend. I like you. They already and they've already seen the good stuff that you can and do. Nobody else gives a damn. No one gives. Nobody a shit. gives no. a shit. Yeah. Right. So you think these people are who care? They don't care. They're not your friends. They're just you're just, and then you're you're 15 minutes of news. They're on. So it doesn't matter. So you don't want to live your life for people. First of all, you don't want to live your life for other people, especially for people you don't know. And the people who are your friends and family, they care about you anyway. So trying to impress them is a is a, is a waste of time. First, they're just like, why are you trying to impress me, dude? Just do be you. Right. That annoys your friends and family when you're trying to impress them and be something other than what you are mm -hmm. because they're just like I, they're confused it's like i don't understand why are you you know so yeah it's just do you man be you do what you, you want to do do you man do your thing do do what you want to do i mean your friends your friends are in family just want to see you be happy and 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 uh do you know do the th but sh shifting to a general purpose of helping other people be successful has been def by far the best thing i've ever done yeah like you know, I'm more obsessed about other people's success now than I am about my own. And I kind of don't even care about my own. Or I obviously do want to be successful. But for example, I was talking to an academy member today who's a lawyer and he's finding it difficult to find a problem. And I'm, I'm literally thinking, okay, I'm looking at any lawyer meetups in um, Pasadena. I'm going to go out to those lawyer meetups. I'm going to speak to a bunch of lawyers. I'm going to find that guy an idea. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. So it's like... Well, I think um, <laughs> sometimes the easiest way to that find... That doesn't help me. <laughs> doesn't help you. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like... Um, it, when you when you take the focus off your happiness and other people's, and, you know, you... It is really fulfilling. You know, sometimes you just you get obsessed with your own yourself. It's kind of a that's a road to hell, too. It's just like just don't wor spend too much time worrying about yourself. Worry about creating something for other people. You will be happy doing that. Mm -hmm. We're social animals. That's how we're programmed. That's how DNA works. And if you spend your time making the world better for other people, your life will be much more meaningful and you'll feel better. But if you yeah. but melting it with something you care about is like, yeah, yeah. the double whammy. Yeah. Know? When I talk to um parents yeah, the Math Academy stuff, and they come and they send me, oh my God, you don't understand, this has been so blah, blah, blah for my son or for my daughter and this and that. It's like, it made my week, yeah. right? I mean, it's just like, you know, the that kind of stuff just will, 
it puts you in a great mood and it's just like it doesn't matter what other frustrations I run into when you realize that you've helped people like so that. So do you know do you know a lot of people who are kind of spinning their wheels? You know, who don't have that don't don't have a a MacGuffin. Uh I think most people would agree. I think it's hard. I mean I mean Trying to think, I don't know. Um, or should I say, do you know? Do you know any people who do have a MacGuffin? Is it that most people don't have a MacGuffin? Probably, or they have kind of a pseudo MacGuffin, or they don't. I'm trying to think. You know, um, I mean, how many people do I know who have something they're extremely passionate about that um, they are working on consistently, and I just have just really just driving forward day to day? You know, um, not, not too many. I don't know. I don't know, but you know, I'm I mean, I'm just kind of thinking. I'm trying to iterate through some the mentally some of my friends. So, yeah, some of them do, some of them don't. You know, it's also a little hard for me, for me to judge because you don't necessarily know what's going on inside their heads, you know, and how much they care about something or don't. I mean, they just may not be talking about it. I might just be aware of what they care about, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not something that's always apparent to people outside of of themselves, you know. Definitely, I. Anytime, I don't know, without a goal, whether it was a purposeful one outside of myself or for myself, if I just didn't have one, I definitely felt lost. Yeah. Well, I, I think felt I, like I, adrift. I th- <laughs> yeah, you felt adrift. You found out, like, I think, um, I think life can become a little boring. You know, I mean, the, the thing about it is, like, you know, we evolved over, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years. We're barely surviving. <laughs> Right, you have to have a goal. The goal was to find food, to find shelter, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, wasn't easy uh, at all, apparently. I mean, according to the anthropologist, probably wasn't an easy process, you know, for a long, long time. Now we're in this stage where survival is in a first world country is pretty easy, you know. The the you I mean to keep yourself from starving to death, it's it's that's not super hard, you know. Um, so when it becomes not about survival, it becomes then you know it's it's you know you have a job, you know you make enough money. You know a lot of people if you don't if they don't find a goal, they just get in this phase where they it's like it's like how their brain or how they're wired is misaligned with how they're living, right? They're not striving for anything. You know it's sort of just I'm just going through motions. You know it's like yeah my life is comfortable. You know I go job, but just ah you know nice people we're doing stuff. It's all right. Yeah it's you know and I just whatever come home we do it you know you just go through some pattern you get some life you know routines and stuff so yeah. i don't know i think our i think our happiness is close to uh, is um a lot of times is driven by that by having very specific goals that you have to be striving for so so for us so that means that you have to but in large part you have to they're arbitrary it can be anything you know, whatever you want that thing to be, but you need to be striving for it. Is it, is it you want to write a book? Is it that you want to, you know, whatever. That is the strangeness of it. It's, it's arbitrary. It's kind everything of... is arbitrary. In fact, that's really the strangest thing about the whole of life. The whole of everything is so freaking arbitrary. Like what in some, in one country is, what was the thing I was, I was reading yesterday? There is a major, in, in South Korea, there is a major fear of fan death. Basically, if a fan is left running in your room, mm-hmm. there is a deep belief through the entire culture that you will have a very strong chance of dying in the night. 
If is this real or is this, this no? This, this is completely real. Believable. It's completely real. It's an electric fan. If an electric fan is left running in your in your room while you sleep, there's a fear of of dying. Okay. And the reason that the, they the reason is is because they kind of spread the the I think the government spread that idea that rumor when electricity was really at a, at a prime, like you know, fifty years ago, sixty years ago. So. But it's it's stuck and it's kind of permeated through the culture. And I just was watching a very interesting video about this guy talking about it. He's like, why does my culture believe in van death? You know, and it's a major thing. It's like reported on the news. It's like a thing that, that they think about. <laughs> and wow. so it's it's like lots of stuff happens around the world that's just arbitrary like that. You know, I wouldn't say that's arbitrary. I would say it's irrational. Irrational. That's 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 a little different than arbitrary. That's just culturally. <clears throat> cultural irrationality um but yeah that's very strange um so you know one thing i want to go back to alan though yeah conversation with alan was, so yeah i was gonna say what was the so one of the things that was interesting about a conversation with him is so he was he showed he sent me his deck you know for things that he something he wanted to do his latest idea pitch deck pitch deck yeah and he's like you know and i was just like i was like well let's this me for lunch, talk about it, you know? And so I was like, okay, so what is it? What's your connection to this idea? And why do you want to do this? And, da, da, da. and I said, well, look, I don't think you're going to raise money. I think, I mean, you know, you, in order to raise money nowadays, you kind of have to have something working. You have to have removed some risk from the table, et cetera. You can't just show up with a deck. That just rarely works. Unless you have some like friends and family, people who are just going to give you money anyway. And I just don't think it's going to work. So I was like, you know, I was like, why don't you just build as much as you can without trying to write code? And he's like, well, how do I do that? And so I found this website, um, this product is called Bubble. And like, yeah, Bubble.is. Bubble yeah, bubble yeah, and I was like, it's Bubble.io, I think, isn't it? Bubble, bubble is. Bubble, bubble is. is. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I was like, just, and there was another one called like Tadad. Oh, God, what was it? I don't know. Uh, Tada Base or something. It was like a, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Kind of similar to what App Ignite was yeah. supposed to be. I was, yeah. And I was just like, check these out. Just learn how to use Bubble, and you could probably build something similar to what you're talking about without writing any code. Yeah. Just be self-sufficient. Just do something. But sitting around tweaking slides in a deck isn't really moving the needle for you. Um, and and, I, and when I met it with him again, it was kind of a follow-up, and I was like, look, um, I was like, even if, I was like, I don't know anything about this idea. Like, it's not my world. So I can't say whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Um, but I can tell you, though, if you develop these skills in the process of trying to launch this and this doesn't work out, you're going to have a skill set that's going to lead to other things. You have other entrepreneurs that might work with you or hire you to prototype their idea. You might come up with other ideas where you can just do this stuff. It's, it's just kind of like leveling up your, your skill set. Yep. It's just like, you know, it's funny. It's like my um, my mentor from high school used to say, "He's like doing stuff is good." It was like his Zen saying or something. You know, yeah. it's like do something. You know, do something real and build skills. You know, as 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 kind of a part of that. But just sitting around thinking about ideas and and emailing people and and putting stuff on a slide deck. Did just, anything come back from that? Well, he's still working on it now. He's made a lot of progress. You know, on his on his <coughs> um, his app and. Um, yeah, and I said, well, just keep, you know, keep doing you that. You reminded me of one thing, and I, I've written this. I've actually got a blog post written and ready to go, but I'm not going to release it for a bit. But mm -hmm. 
oftentimes you'll meet a new founder and they have big ideas. Yeah. Big ideas. And, you know, I know exactly what that's like because I've been that new founder and had big ideas. But if you were going to, if you, let's say you started uh, climbing, mm -hmm. you wouldn't climb Everest as your mm -hmm. first thing you did, mm -hmm. right? Would you? I mean, that wouldn't, be, like, you just started climbing. You think, oh, wow, I really want to climb Everest one day. The first thing you would do would be, okay, now I'm going to get buckled down and start climbing Everest. You wouldn't do that. Well, it's because it's, it's an immediate fail. You know, you know they're going to fail out of the gate. But I think it's also like when people have no sense of what their, where their own ability, their skill set is, like, oh, I'm going to try for the Olympics or whatever. Like, you have no idea how far that way that is from you. And so, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's going to lead to fail. But it's also like a way to like, um, it gives them an easy out. I just think that the logical thing to do would be if you were going to climb Everest, the first thing you'd do would be you'd go to like the local rock wall and you'd be like, okay, can I climb the local rock wall in the gym? You know, and then you'd do that a few times and then maybe you'd go into the field and try a little. Yeah. Well, the, little, well a lot of people, it's like they don't break it into the, in those baby steps. And so they want to start going, they want to go straight to the third degree black belt. That's day one. And and then, but the, because there's no way to get there, they just end up doing nothing. Well, that that's it. what my blog post is about. It's like, look, pick a product that's small, earn a hundred bucks. That's the same as going to the gym and climbing the first rock wall. Mm -hmm. You know, once you've sold something for you know you, to ten people for ten bucks or whatever, you've done something. Now go ahead and try and scale it to a thousand bucks. Well, look, I mean, if and you, then to ten thousand bucks. Even if even if you look at like Elon Musk, who we might say the most and most ambitious entrepreneur alive. Yeah. He didn't start with SpaceX and Tesla. Started with compression software, a zip. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't compression software. It was a map thing. It was zip. like a, it was like a directory service. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, he and his brother did it and started, dropped out of grad school. I think it was at Stanford, dropped out, or dropped out of grad school there after like a week <laughs> and yeah. do this. And it was a directory service. It was a web directory service. Very... <laughs> doable for a small for you know a couple guys who can code in back in the early days yeah. and they did and they sold it he made i think he pulled out like a couple million 10 million or something and then then they started x.com and that yeah. merged with confinity which then became paypal and all that stuff and then he had like a 80 or 100 million dollar basically stair-stepped he started he started higher than a hundred dollars you know like mm -hmm. he stair-stepped his way up um, I think that he's the kind of remarkable guy, and I think that most people probably couldn't start even at that level that he started at. I would say just start as small as possible, and just do your first learning. Well, even even you know? um, <laughs> and then and then scale up. Even but, if you look at Apple, Apple, yeah. okay, they were just selling a um, like a, a it was like a you could put the thing together yourself. The Apple One, yeah, was like a, a some assembly required thing that they were selling to their friends at the was the chaos computer club mm -hmm. exactly. right they they you know they he i mean i'm sure wozniak did and i'm sure steve jobs had visions of grandeur in his head in the background yeah but certainly wasn't to this level it was just like look let's just build a you know this computer that we can use and then the next step and the next step and the next step but you have to have you know it's like um you know you'll you'll someone will initially do a startup it's like well this is the market it's like yeah well what's the addressable market what's addressable by you by you, a key, key. Now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean by you in five years or 10 years. I mean you 
next month? Right. Who exactly. can you address? No, you cannot sell to these people. You don't have a clear path to that. You can't get there. But you can do these other things, and that will get you to the point where that you can address a larger market. Yeah. You know, I mean, every everything starts that. You know, everything. Netflix and Uber. Uber had started with a few. I mean, I know exactly. These things, everything starts. But I mean, Google was kind of was a tiny thing. They were trying to sell. They were just trying to. Sell, I think they were trying to get like Google, uh, Yahoo, to buy them for a million dollars. That was their huge exit. And that was a big deal. That was bigger than when they even started. Um, you know, it. So. Yeah, you just, you know, start, I mean, of course, you know, uh, Rob Walling write a whole book, kind of start small, stay small. Like, and, uh, yeah, but uh, he started with .NET Invoice, right? Wasn't that his, one of his yeah. first things? I mean, like, I don't think you have to stay small. No, start small, start, get big. Everybody has to small. Every big idea has a small beginning. Yeah. Every one of them. And you, but, and you can't skip steps. You don't get ahead of yourself. But, you know? but, but what I also notice is that, you know, new founders have big ideas that are also very technically challenging and would require 10 million and like 100 developers it's not gonna happen. to kind of make it come yeah. into reality. Not, not a, it's just, but I, I think it's, it, it's that confusion about what they can do versus what they want to achieve, you know, what they want to do, what, you know, that causes frustration and disappointment and they just quit, but also gives them out. Because like, oh yeah, it's just too expensive. I couldn't do it. You, so you quit altogether, right? If you try to do something small, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like I want to, you know, I want to be in the Olympics or I want to be an Olympic. It's just okay. Just like let's just go in steps. Like you can achieve an amazing amount over a period of multiple years of of consistent, hard, focused effort, but you have to start at step one. You know, I mean, that's what even like when you would start working out and you're like, oh, you know, I'm gonna do hit training five days a week. Like, no, no. Don't do that. Just, oh, dude, I'm the king of that. Like, yeah. I couldn't walk for two weeks because I know, of that. You, you did that. <laughs> a walking you, desk, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you have to, you know, yeah. you get so excited, but it, it's usually a mistake, you know? Just, like, just go to the gym and just do something easy for 30 minutes, three days a week. Let's just start there. And that's a good point. So it was interesting. Another uh, entrepreneur that I've been meeting with, um, you know, periodically for the past year, he um, had this idea. I'm not going to talk about it because he's still kind of in the protective phase. Mm. And I want to respect that, even though I think it's unnecessary, but yeah. I'm going to respect it. Yeah. Um, is he came to me and he's like, well, here's the thing. And he's talking about NDAs. I'm like, ah, look, rule number, step one, no NDAs. Like, don't <laughs> NDA people. That's ridiculous. Like, it's just a waste yeah. of time. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not going to say your idea. Nobody's, but you just don't do that. That's, what, that's, the sure, that's the sure sign that you're a greenhorn, right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to patent it. I'm going to NDA. No, stop right there. And so I, you know, went through all the typical things and I gave him a bunch of advice. I said, look, here's what you want to do. Go get something really simple, get it out there, start using it, get the feedback loop with customer, da da da, all that kind of stuff. And um, he was taking all these notes and stuff. And then we did a follow up like six months later. And, and I, I pointed him to um, a uh, consulting firm that I've used for a couple of projects. He used them, they've done great work. They have this app on Android and iOS, and it's working. And it's in the education market, and he has this one school, and has this group of kids using it, and it's working really well, like really well. Everybody's really excited about it. And so I just had lunch with him last week, and and he's talking about like you know he had this guy who guess he's a I don't want to be too specific, but you know sort of a mentor who went university. He's like oh you know we should talk to Apple about it and this, and I'm like no. No, no, no. You don't want to talk to Apple. You don't want to talk to Google. And I'm like, why do you think you want to talk to them? He's like, well, I'm afraid they're going to get wind of the idea and they're going to run me over. <laughs> like, they don't care about your idea. They don't care about your idea. 
you start making a billion dollars a year, maybe they'll care about you. They don't know. Here's what you want to do is you want to go from one class to three classes and then to 10 and then to 30 and then to 100. I'm just nodding my head here. And it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, here's what you want to do is what you want to do is as quickly as possible, iterate on the product and, and all you, all you really want to care about is the quality of the product and the quality of the experience and whether the, you know, talk to the parents, the kids and the teachers, talk to those three stakeholders iterate a product and keep doing that. And, and I said, now these people are really excited about it, the principal or the teachers. Okay, have them introduce you. What's another class? What's another age group? Now I'll go to different schools. I said, you know, he said, you know, the whole, whole thing we've talked about, which is like the number one thing is important is you want to build pro a product people love and then it'll kind of sell itself. You don't have to, we have to put in much less effort into the advertising because everybody's going to want to tell everybody else. And, um, you know, and I said, don't go and, try and like into some big conversations with like Apple or Google and they're going to somehow do this stuff. I said, you don't want your product strategy, your company strategy to be based on fear. Mm -hmm. That's about, don't worry about that. You don't worry about them. Just worry about it. If this product is great, it doesn't matter what anyone wants. It doesn't matter what Apple or Google does. It really doesn't. Um, and so, but it's funny, I really had to talk him down. But you know what, like, just the you know knowing what i know about like after working in the education market for mm -hmm. six years mm -hmm. and knowing all the different aspects of it mm -hmm. and how hard it is to sell into the education market mm -hmm. oh i feel sorry for that guy well one thing i told him i was like look <laughs> i was like the thing about this product is you definitely can sell this to parents I would, I said, you know, fine, if you want to get into some schools because if you're able to get warm intros and get schools to use it, that's great because you get a, um, you get some real good data and, and all that kind of stuff. But my guess is that selling to parents is an easier market. It's oh, an addressable yeah. market. If you can sell to parents, do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Because, yeah, because schools are an enterprise sales, uh, enterprise uh, Oh, they're way, they're way yeah. worse than that because, because schools. And they money. They 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 have a specific budget. Yeah. Their budgets are split up into specific things. Targets. Items, yeah. They only open the budget for one month every year. Yep. You know. So you've got so you've got to time your entire sale, and you've got to hit the right budget, and you've got to hit it at the right point. Yep. To make sure that it fits in mm -hmm. with all the other things that they've decided to buy. And they don't have any money as well. And they don't have any money. And like it's it's horrific it's really really difficult yeah um so yeah selling to parents would be recommend you you reminded me of something which is um i forgot to mention i i want to start uh i don't know the the cadence but maybe weekly maybe bi-weekly maybe monthly but like a kind of a live group a live founder group mm -hmm. um for i guess people who are doing nugget or people who are just just founders but i i will kind of mentor through that nugget kind of viewpoint right. the viewpoint that you're just saying which is basically just the common sense viewpoint well you know it's you know? funny it's like as many times you say it you need people need to hear it personally about them yeah you know it's like you're talking about how do i get in shape everybody knows how to lose weight eat less work out more eat less calories eat healthier stuff mm -hmm. work out more but they need help doing that Right. It's not about necessarily knowing what to do, but I mean, a lot of people don't know what to do. People who listen to our show know what to do, but they just, they still kind of lose focus and it gets overwhelmed by what they're all, what they kind of want to do, you know, and their own. So it's like, you have to you constantly work with them. Like, look, no, don't do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. Like, don't be based on fear. Don't go 
swinging for a home run and the first time you step to the plate, like let's just focus on what you can, you know, all this kinds of stuff. But you need, they need that. You need it. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think? Start like setting up a like a, a meetup. I don't know what what the regularity, but just getting people together talking about this stuff. You talking about me? Yeah. Maybe uh, you. Maybe me. you. But, but... <laughs> I, I I'm not. I don't want to commit to anything. I mean, I I would maybe show up sometimes, but yeah, that's fine. I already have kind of enough of this already. Just, yeah, I have enough. I'm advising a half dozen companies already, so it's like. Yeah, but I think you, I think you could something could set up something that got quite big, you know, locally mm-hmm. in Pasadena. Maybe that like I don't know how to pitch it. Problem is half the time what I what I talk about it sounds like it's anti-funding, but it's not anti-funding. I'm not anti-funding. I'm just like funding at the appropriate time. Well, here's yeah. what I would say: it's don't count on funding. Yeah. Build your product like you're not going to get funded. Okay. And guess what? That's when people want to give That's you money. Give, yeah. When you don't need funding and you're making progress anyway, and after you read a certain level of progress, then people will say, "Hey, do you need some money?" You know, um, it's like um, <laughs> that movie on uh, Swingers. You ever see Swingers? Uh, I don't ago. think so. Oh my God! Come on. I probably have. I can't remember. So the one guy, the the protagonist, is 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 really depressed over his girlfriend having broken up with him. Yeah. So they're out in L.A. His girlfriend's back in New York. She broke up with him, and he's sitting at this diner talking with his friend. And his friends kind of talk him through it, and he's like, he's like, you know, should I? Should I call her? He's like, no, no. She's that's just gonna turn her off. You know you want. He's like, well, he's like, look, the only time you the only time you should talk to her is like the only time she's gonna be interested in you is when you're over her. Yeah. Then she's interested. And he's like, Well, can I just like pretend I'm over? He's like, No, no, they always know. <laughs> <laughs> they always know you're not over. Yeah. That, that <laughs> and is. so it's like you have to you can't pretend you don't need funding. It's like you really don't need funding. It's really it's, you, such it's like a look freaking irony. You have to this point where it's like, you know, you have a market, you're you're growing revenue, you're making progress, and then then that's because that's when investors come in because investors want to remove risk and they want to see reward. They want that risk reward to really be balanced in their favor. It's like, hey, this thing's going to work anyway. I'll put some money and I'll put some lighter fuel on this thing and it'll just grow faster and then I'll make a lot of money. You know, and a lot of entrepreneurs are on the mistaken assumption that that the um, that investors really want to take on a lot of risk and just you know just bet on some crea- some unproven idea, which isn't what they want to do because it's too risky. They want to say, oh, this is this looks like a foregone conclusion to me. Let's just move it ahead in time from taking five years to eighteen months. But what it feels like as a founder when you approach investors, I'm thinking back to different things that I did, like that one. API one, you know. Yeah, I, remember I was that one. like, I've I've got this, I've got this, guys. Just give me the money. But it, you totally don't. You haven't proven anything to them. <laughs> no, you're not. Crazy. No, it's like I was. No, I'm not getting money to that. It's, it's only crazy. when you're making money without me that I'm going to want to give you some money. It's crazy. And you're, and you're consistently making money and more money and more money, and it seems like and it seems like there's nothing that's necessarily going to stop. That's like okay, maybe I'd put some money into this. But the whole cycle of success starts with just talking to people and finding out what they want. Yeah, finding a problem to solve and start solving it. <laughs> that, that's that's it. Well, that's, that, and that's the whole thing I was ta- telling uh, Alan. I was a student. Yeah. It's all about self-sufficiency. Don't count on money. Just start making progress. That's how you get there. You know, just how are we doing on time? It's like an hour of uh, entrepreneurial type yeah, stuff. Let's, let's go on to some other yeah. stuff. Um, so, you got some more stuff to talk about? Yeah. Go on then. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, um, you want to get an update on Math Academy? Oh, I'd love to get an update on Math Academy, although it is entrepreneurial, but no, that's okay. No, well, I was talking about the program a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to hear it, yeah. So, um, well, I, thought, I was just going to say we had a um, back, we had a sort of parent information night for the parents of eighth graders about the high school program. Yeah. So we have 20, we have 25 kids in the eighth grade program, 38 in the seventh grade and 46 in the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you, what we want to do is we want to get as many of the 25 to go to Pasadena high school where our high school program is, you know, but there's a few that have kind of asked recommendations for, for very, for private schools. You know, there's because a private high school is a very emotional thing for, for parents. They're like, you know, my daughter to go to this all girls school because that's the kind of school I went, or my, you know, son to go to this kind of private school that I went to, or this kind of, you know, that I want to go to this in this, the, in the, the school that's in this area because it's kind of what I always imagined for them. Because, and you know, if Pasadena High School, which is sort of like this large public high school, isn't what you imagined, it's for your kid. It's a difficult, you know, and it's, you know, and um. So I felt like, okay, we need to get there and really explain to them what the math program is like, what, why this is. Well, it's worth, worth letting go of your dreams. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, or, you know, because a lot of the dreams are sort of, I don't know, I don't want to discount any, or, 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 or diminish or disparage anyone's dreams. Like every, there's the re, everything has value, why, why they want certain things. You know, I mean, I've been on campus at some of these private schools. I understand why they're attractive. I've seen the the beautiful uh, campus and the trees and the beautiful buildings and the you know it's like oh I, yeah <laughs> nice right um, so anyway I uh, I gave a you know big presentation we had a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of people were there um, even families who weren't even in the eighth grade because they just wanted to hear what it was all about and um, it was interesting um, you know because our program is all undergraduate our high school program is all undergraduate level math right and so trying to explain to them like why is this a big deal because to most people they have no idea what that is mm-hmm. right i mean it's Me like included. what yeah. is what are partial differential equations what's complex analysis what's topology it's just like blah 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 you know yeah, <laughs> yeah i have no idea words. what i'm it's talking about yeah um but I think I made a pretty compelling, you know, I explained, I said, look, you know, if you're going to be an engineer or a physicist, you're going to know this. If you want to be an economist or you're going to do this, if you want to, you know, so, you know, and you, I've gone over this stuff on the, um, on the show before, so I won't go into any, any great detail on it. But, um, you know, I, had, I created all the, the big slideshow and we went through everything really quickly. And I just was like, all right, abstract algebra, complex analysis, I'm sure you know what this means, but this is why they, you know, important. Um, and, uh, it was really interesting. I think I'm, I, it was great, though. At the end, though, how many got, people were there? Thirty. Oh, cool. Thirty, forty. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty. It was a lot of people. Yeah. Maybe more than that. It was it in the cafe? It was in this cafeteria, which is just full of people. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a lot. And then it was like the principal of the high school there. So I, I, I gave him some time to talk a little bit about pitch the high school from his perspective. And I had mm. two of our mathematician instructors there, and there were a couple people from the district, and then there was tons of families, and some of the kids were there were as well. So it was actually it was probably more than fifty, um, mm. something like that. But um, it was cool though because I think most parents were just. I mean, they were all. There's a, a big applause at the end, and and everybody was really, you know, wow, this is just amazing. We're so, you know, which was cool. It was a cool event for that. Mm. But I think we're gonna get most of the people. I think we'll probably lose two or three. You know, I think there's a few families that are just, 
they're just so set on this particular private school that they've always wanted their daughter to go to. You know, I think particularly the girls, like the moms have like this very particular idea of what they want their daughter's high school now, experience to be. Math Academy is going to scale to those private schools one day. Nah, I don't think so. It's just going to be a private, a public school thing. Um, here's why. Um, first of all, you have to. I mean, if you're going to do undergraduate level math, you have to have essentially someone with a P, at least a master's in math, if not a PhD, to teach those classes competently. Mm -hmm. And that's expensive. You know, I mean, that's expensive, and and they're hard to find. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of them running around, and who can teach, and who want to teach at a high school level, and you know, they probably have, they have one or two math instructors for the entire high school, probably, right? And these are private schools are not usually large, you know? Secondly, they don't have a density of talent. They're just not gonna have enough kids who can do it. it what, seven kids? Five so what's kids, your, you know, five what's kids. your scaling model then? How are you gonna move across America? What's your, what's uh, your, what's yeah, your plan? It's a good question. I don't know exactly, you know? I mean, it's, again, it's not a business. Scale is not like, you know, we scale or die. It's like we're going to make it as easy as possible for schools to adopt that want to adopt it, and we'll try and advocate for that. But um, I don't know. I mean, there are two or three school districts came us three, two, one primarily, or two came along and, and visited our classes about I don't know, a couple months ago. And, you know, Palos Verdes is one of them, and they're really interested in doing it. But it's um, putting a program like this is, is, is um, tricky. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of political bureaucratic hurdles to overcome. Is it the is it the PhD teachers and the expense of them that are the main linchpin of the whole thing? No, it's just I think a lot of it's there's political. Mm. So we're gonna do this, you know, like you know why? Like a lot of a lot of people who aren't mathematical are gonna be like, well, why would we even need to do that? So, so just serendipitously, Pasadena is gonna produce all of America's Elon Musk's mm -hmm. just. By serendipity, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> because it's going to be difficult to like scale it across, you know. Yeah, well, of course, I would. I, like I said, I, that's not nearly that dramatic, but I think we will, we will for a while. We'll probably be producing way more kids that are super advanced. Will be coming out of Pasadena than anywhere else in the country. So they're all going to. So all the Pasadena kids are going to get all the top slots in the in the universities. In, in America. Well, yeah. That's that, crazy. Well, it's, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's, again, I mean, I think we'll be shooting between 50 and 60 kids within five, six years, seven years graduating, you know, I mean, 50 kids is not, in a nation, that's not a, that's not yeah. a big thing. Okay. Um, you know, you can only produce so many from one area. Um, but of course, that's, we're, we're punching way, way, way above our belt. I mean, you yeah. would normally have one kid who's done more than, you know, one year of post-calculus work in the entire city of Pasadena. Well, there's one kid or two kids that took multivariable calculus at PCC their senior year. You know, that's and that's a rare thing. But they've done one year, so it's. So how would so let's say Palos Verdes? Is, did Palos I say Verdes, that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's say they. How many schools do they have in their district? There's a lot smaller than us. I don't know. I think that maybe one high school. Okay, so know, let's go to schools, another district three that's, middle I don't that's know. kind of the same size. Like, how would you, let's, assuming that you've got past the political stuff, how would you scale all the stuff that you need to do for that other district? So we have, you know, we have like a program in a box, which is basically like, okay, we would, um, you know, we have like a training program. So they would 
you know, we'd have some written materials. They would come and spend some time with us and we would train them up. And like, this is how you teach these classes. They'd come in and sit in some classes. We'd work with them. Um, this is our pedagogy. This is how we do it. This is how our software works. And then we'd work with the district people. Like, here's how we identify kids and test them. And here's the communication process, all that kind of stuff. And then, okay, you don't necessarily need a mathematician to teach with kids at junior high. So if you're starting in sixth grade, which is what we recommend, you have three years before you need to hire anyone for the high school who needs to teach that kind of stuff. And you prove to prove it out. Right. And if you're talking like your first year multivariable linear algebra, you you could find someone, you might have someone on staff who has a master's in physics or something who could maybe teach that. It really sounds like you do have it kind of systematized in the in your mind anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've thought it out. Yeah. And I've talked about it. So it's, um, and we're hoping Palos Verdes would be like our first taker mm. because they're very enthusiastic about it they've had their whole team up here and the who mm. was the vice assistant prince uh di, oh, was assistant superintendent or something she was up here twice mm. and really really uh nice lady how but, close are they uh like an hour 45 so, minutes so they're down far? they're down um on the down south of like huntington beach i think do you think you could do one that was like you know on the other side of the country or we could but i'd, I'd rather start with something local yeah because it's just that much easier to sort of um, work out the kinks, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd rather have, like, Palace Verdes would be ideal, and, or, you know, or something like that. I'd like to, you know, because then by the time, by the time it's someone in, like, say, Michigan or Virginia or something wants to do it, we really know what we're doing, and uh, it's not... I forgot to mention to you that there's a, there's a, there's a new person working, a modern teacher who's heavily involved in math, uh, side of things, and um, she wanted to set up a meeting with you. I have to set that meeting up. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. cool. I'll make that happen. Yeah. So let's see what else. Um, well, on the software side, so you know, I was going to try and launch at the end of October. That came and went. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more looking towards early New Year. It's just too much. Now, the, the, we're making a ton of progress on the content. Yeah. We have. We're averaging about 500 questions a week and 550 tutorials written a week. Crazy. Which is a lot. Crazy. And it's a little slower questions than it was because we're doing a lot of multivariable calculus and linear algebra now. So it's, it's, we have much higher level stuff, much more complex solutions. And everything's plugged into that UI that you were showing me yeah. about that exploratory, which people were like very impressed with in the, on the chat. Only one person, I think Michael Mahamath yeah. said it was cool. Nobody else responded, so I think you're all scared. But <laughs> he thought it was kind of neat. He it was but cool. it, it turned out to be really useful um, for Alex because he, you know, he has to like, he's the one setting all the prerequisites of the topics and he's like really checking whether there are any problems. Does this prerequisite tree make sense? Am I like double including prerequisites at like multiple level? You know, you just kind of, it makes it easy to see that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's coming along. I'm I've been coding my butt off. You still having fun coding? Yeah, I love it. I've just decided that's what I'm going to spend the most of my day doing. I, I love it, and I I can yeah. move the needle and I enjoy it. So that's what I'm going to do. You know. So are you coding? So so you're not just doing specialist UI stuff. Are you doing more of the stuff that you were thinking about pulling in other external coders? Now you're doing more of the meat and potatoes. I've been focusing on some specialist stuff right now. I mean, Sivalot does a lot of the sort of nuts and bolts mm. things, but um, so I don't know if I talked about that time. Did I talk about sort of the smart tutorial, mm. smart document type thing? No. So one of the things that I wanted to do is initially like create special stylings for things. So a formula, 
a, a procedure, an example, a solution, a warning. You know, sometimes you go in a textbook and be like, warning, and I have like a font or a, some type of a background color or something to kind of separate it off. And uh, when you look at some real high-end textbooks, they have things nicely formatted. It's not just all black and white. Mm -hmm. And Alex was, I, I had been thinking that, and Alex, but Alex brought to my attention. He's like, I really think we should kind of. Oh, we were talking about, you had said you had seen the the Nugget content. Uh, yeah, so I did, we talked a little yeah, bit we spoke about, about that. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. so anyway, I built a whole thing around that where it's like you have what I call smart components. They know mm -hmm. what they are. And, and, and the system knows it's an example. It's not just like here's some text that has a styling. It's like so it has behaviors to it. And if you click on it, or if you do this or do that, there's all kind of different things. There's inline, cool. sort of inline sort of... Um, feedback and content stuff does it look that. slick it's getting there getting there nice. well i have a designer i'm working with but here's the only problem is i don't think she has the time so she accepted the work a while ago and i didn't have as much for her then but then i came up a couple weeks ago and i'm like hey can you give me some designs on this and then it took like i don't know like two weeks and i got like an hour and a half out of her and then i'm kind of gives some feedback and the stuff she usually created really wasn't quite what I was looking for. So I said, all right, here, this is, this, none of this stuff is going to work for these reasons, but this is what I'm looking for. That was like four or five days ago and I haven't heard anything. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. One of the problems is that, so she was on Upwork before she got a full-time design job. She was doing like temp work. And now I think she's got, she's working as a full-time designer. I don't think she just has the bandwidth. So I might have to find somebody else, unfortunately. Sounds like it, yeah. I mean, I like her. She's nice and she's, I think she has some good design. Um, you know, um, instincts, but I just don't know. If there's a time for it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so just coding on that. Um, so a little operate, a little operation superhero update. Yes, please. So Boys. the, I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is I pulled my hamstring last night again oh. because I did. So it's funny. I was talking to Phil about it last night and I'm like, you know, doing straight leg deadlifts for given that I the frequency with which I tend to pull my hamstrings is probably not the best thing to be doing. You know, straight leg deadlift is like imagine you lock your knees and you bend over and you pull weight up from the ground. So it like really strange pulls on your hamstrings. Right. So after I did that, I'm just like, you know, that was stupid. I don't know why I was doing that. Um, but up until then, I was making some really good progress. Um, got my squat back squats up to doing sets of five or two thirty five, which is still like not amazing but considering i started where i started that's almost the most weight i've ever done um so that's a huge that's a huge factor in vertical jump is mm -hmm. how how strong your posterior chain is how much can you squat basically yeah. um and um and i think i think i said i told you i might have had this like elbow tendonitis stuff that i've been yeah. fighting so i um initially went got a cortisone shot then i got that and then after a month it kind of didn't injured again that didn't really work out another cortisone shot he thought it would the the doctors thought that would probably i'd be good after that didn't really work and then so he said well he's like we can um you know you know you can do uh surgery that's like a two-month recovery it's like this is about the most insignificant surgery there is we just go in and call it debridement which is basically going they um scrape off some of the uh, scar tissue he said that will work i said but it's like a two-month sort of recovery um or we could just do the conservative approach and use try and rehab, give it some time, you know. But given my experience with this stuff, sometimes giving it some time could mean like a year or more, and it might still not work. Yeah. 
Um, and he's like, or we can give this thing called a um, a platelet-rich plasma, PRP, which is was made famous about like I don't know eight years ago when it was when uh, Kobe Bryant flew over to Germany to do it to have it done on his neck. Hmm. And so what they do is I take some of your blood, they put it in a centrifuge, and it kind of I don't know increases the quantity or con- the density of of um, platelets, which is like a heal and have some healing capacity, and they inject that back into your hmm. wherever you're injured. And he's like, you know. He's like, it says about 50% success rate. He's like, your insurance won't cover it. He's like, why it works half the time for half the, why it works for half the people and the other time, we don't know. And, uh, and, and I'm like, how much it costs? He's like, ah, like 500 bucks. He's like, so I'm like, ah, done. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Tried it. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely am not like a placebo person, you know, like I don't, <laughs> my brain assumes it's probably not going to work, I guess. So, um, mm. You know, it, it feels about much better as if I like, as if I took three weeks off. Are you going to do the surgery? Well, the problem is snowboarding season is coming up, and we're in fact we're going snowboarding in Mammoth in the week before Christmas, and that's you know five weeks away, and I don't want to ruin our snowboarding, skiing vacation. Because I, 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 my elbow hurt is hurt. Yeah, it makes sense. So I was like, you know, here's what, and then, and then Sandy got a season passes for, for Mountain High. So Kobe and I are probably going up every, every Saturday morning or Sunday morning. So I don't want to throw that out the window. Yeah. So I was like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try and rehab and kind of thread the needle, do as much as I can until spring and do it then. How long does it take to get to Mountain High? An hour, hour 15. You know, we, we get up first thing, leave at 6.30 in the morning, you know, get there, and we're usually right. And as we have season passes, like, we just, like, and we have our own gear. It's just, like, boom, we're on the slope. Like, we're... What What is the the, uh, the bottom of that? I'm just wondering, like, would there be a place for me and Jack to just go and play on, a, like, a little baby slope? Well, they have... Um, they used to see families, like, that with little kids, and they'll be up, just park their cars inside the road, and there's snow, and they just play in the snow. Yeah. I mean, there are places just... like that. We'll do that. You can play in that. And that's that's over. That's this is the time of year to do that. Not yet. I mean, okay. uh, I mean, we go to Mammoth in December. You probably gonna, you wouldn't go at Mount High. I wouldn't have anything. You'd probably go January. Okay. I'll let you know if, if right. I think it's pretty good up there. You it's know, fun. you can go up there, but it, you know, it's it's a bit of a drive. Oh, that's fun. An hour's fun. Um, but um, so what I decided to do is I went back to this kind of guy. He's kind of he's like a soft tissue work. So oh, that guy I remember. Chris that. Brown. I say you to him. Yeah, that guy. I know the guy you mean. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, I'll go see him and see what he has to say. And so he was working on my forearms and stuff and the shoulders. And he's like, I was like in extreme pain when he was just like he was pushing his thumb and I was like, ah. He's like, yeah, that's not how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, you should just feel some pressure. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I. I'm doing the stretches and the exercises and I'm seeing him, you know, I see, I go to him three days a week for a half hour of, of torture. And I'm hoping that by limiting my volume and lifting and doing that new exercises, I can do, I, I am healthy enough to keep strength training through the summer, winter. And then maybe in the spring and, and maybe if I'm lucky, it'll work. But what about but the hamstring? A hamstring will heal in three weeks. Three weeks? Yeah. But so I, th- then you'll do squat, start squatting I th- again. I still think I can probably squat within a week. I, you don't really use your hamstrings that much in squats. Or I might just limit the range of motion. Okay. Do heavier weight for less. Don't go as deep to, to, before the hamstrings engage. And so 
your idea to do weight training is not going to be to do dunking, but it's just going to be to not lose any ground. No, no, I'm going to try and grab. I know I'm going to. So I've calculated. I think that if I can squat 360 pounds, I should be able to dunk. That's the magic number. So that means I, I think I should be. I think I could probably be there. No, maybe fall of next year. If I keep pushing. I mean, I think I should probably be around 250 for sets of five. Means like 275 by end of this by the winter. Maybe by spring, I'm doing 315. Be three plates. So here's the here's the trick, or here's the the key, is no matter if you get by, hit by no matter if you get hit by an injury, you have to keep moving forward and do what you can do, because you're always going to have something. Is what I've realized. I'm always going to have something. It's like, you know, in the movies, you have like the monster and they shoot it and it gets up and it keeps coming. Shoot it, it keeps up. We're like, damn it. You know, it never get, it keeps coming. <laughs> like you have to keep coming, right? You have to like, you know, it doesn't matter. So it's like, oh, you know, I pulled a hamstring. I'll just adjust my training to work around it. Oh, my elbow is so I'll reduce my volume. I'll do this. I'll do that. But you have to keep pushing forward because like I'm already, you know, I'm already PRing on my squats. I'm near, I'm the highest, strongest I've been in five years. I'm, I'm benching sets of five at 225. I'm overhead press of 135 for set, I'm using for sets of five. And you're still working with that trainer every time? Yeah, not every time. I've been kind of like, because my workouts have been sort of limited, I haven't been doing a ton of stuff. It's like I'm doing like three sets of overhead press, three sets of bench. But why would you have some? I don't know if I want to pay 110 bucks for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel a little bad because I booked a bunch of sessions, but I'm just like, ah, it's not, I don't need, I don't necessarily need him there for that. Yeah. Um, so also a, our, his training availability and my schedules have made some, you know, it's like I have, you know, Izzy has equestrian and Ari has gymnastics at the same time. So now I got to drop her off and I can't make it to the gym. So it's like all the stuff. So, but, but I'm fine. I can do this stuff all on my own. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've made that the, the the key is, despite all my setbacks, I've made a ton of progress. Mm. And that's how, I, that's how I have to get you thinking about it, is like, if I get injured, I'll be like, yep, of course I did. <laughs> of course I got injured. That's just, like, just is going to happen. You know? Mm. Um, but don't get too, don't, don't, the better I am at absorbing that disappointment and then just letting it go and just moving and just saying, well, okay, so I'll just do this. The better I am, the more I get, I get pissed and disappointed. Like, oh, I'm so pissed. I got injured. It's like it doesn't do anything, mm. and and all it does is make you, you know, lose momentum. And you know. so, I think the thing, one thing that's interesting about like say dunking or explosiveness training or sprint training or stuff is, is, is two parts. It's like one, it's it's building strength, and the other one is building speed. And a lot of times you go through these strength building phases where you would just work on getting really really strong, and then you'll work on speed doing like plyometrics and jumping but you try and maintain your strength for that period of time and then you get really fast so that you can contract your muscles really fast and utilize all that extra strength because the stronger you get the slower you get so then you have to build up speed like i can i can lift a lot of weight but my contractions are slower but jumping is fast contraction but you have to have a lot of strength to utilize it's like the size of your engine so i don't know i'm having fun with it i mean i'm still making a lot of progress despite the latest injuries. I've had some other minor injuries too. I'm not going to go into those, but <laughs> I think it's just, you know, I talk with, I talk about this with Phil all the time. I mean, it's just like, dude, I'm 48. So it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I could go in and do really light workouts and kind of whatever and not get injured, but you're not really going to see any major results. It's just kind of mm -hmm. you know, tread water. 
but if you want to get you want to improve physically you're going to have to push it and that means sometimes getting injured but me in particular i'm really tight my muscles are really just tight i don't have great flexibility mm. and that leaves me um i'm always prone to pulling something or straining something <laughs> You know, when I go in and see like soft tissue guys or trainer, they're always like, yeah, <laughs> like, you gotta work on that. Sandy keeps trying to push me to do yoga. Um, but Can't you, um, the soft tissue guys, as far as I understand, when they're working on you, they're basically loosening up your muscles. Yeah, well, so the theory is, is that they try, they're trying to break, you know, it's sort of unclear exactly how it works, and I'm not really sure, but you, you, in theory, you have these sort of as you, when you have injuries over time or you develop adhesions and the fascia, which is kind of between the skin and the muscle, it's kind of that, mm. you know, when you like the sinew kind of stuff yeah. that's, yeah. and that reduces the flight range of motion significantly, especially if you have a lot of that. And so if you try and break that apart or loosen that up, then over time you have greater range of motion and you're less apt to pull muscles, which are also less apt to have, um, joint injuries because you have joint injuries when say like the muscles are asymmetric like this muscle doesn't have the range of motion as it should so that joint is picking up more of the work my elbow is picking up more of the work than it should you know because my shoulder can't get it isn't engaged or my wrist isn't because i have limited range of motion so if you if every if you increase your range of motion of all these different joints the the the, the stress gets more spread out and everything's doing what it's supposed to be doing but what we do as human beings is that when we have things that don't work properly or aren't willing to work into full function or for full range of motion, we start distributing more of the stress to places that shouldn't be taking it. And then we Could you, it. instead of yoga, just, just do like two massages a week or something? Yeah, uh, well, I don't, I mean, this is funny. I saw, what I kind of want to do is I want to just do the stretches, like the 80-20 rule. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to go and do a damn hour of, you know, yoga stuff and i just think it's oh sounds so boring to me but i don't know maybe one day i'll end up having to do it because everybody i've had i mean i, I can't tell you how many times people said oh man you gotta do yoga how, how are you with heat oh you know about the hot bikram yoga yeah. and stuff it doesn't sound awesome to me nothing about yoga sounds appealing to me at so all. My, when when <laughs> so i i didn't tell you this but um when i got married um just just before me and g, g got married um, I was really getting into Bikram yoga and I was doing, doing a lot of it and I got my friend Ollie in, uh -huh. you, you know, yeah, him. Him. so anyway, he stuck with Bikram yoga and uh -huh. he did it three days a week since then all this time. And he, his body is just perfect basically. Mm -hmm. And it is, is his, he can stretch and everything. It's, it's been so good for him. It's been like one of the best things that ever happened to him. Yeah. Of course I dropped off it, but I, if you can do Bikram yoga, I think it would be worth so, so, a test. So Alan, the, the <laughs> entrepreneur I was talking about, yeah. they, you know, he's been trying to convince me. He's like, Monday morning at 7.30, we'll do it. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> it's let tough. me think about it. Let me think it's about really it. It's really tough the first few sessions. Even for you, it would be tough. I mean, it's tough yeah, for I'll anyone. Bet. I'll bet. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, it's it's amazing for the stretching stuff, you know, because it's so hot. So you've, you by default, you can go further than you already can. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why it's good. Yeah, I, I, I might. I, I don't want to do it. So it's like one of those things I'm going to try everything else before I get to it. I might end up having to do it. We might have this covered in six months. I'm like, all right, I finally started doing it. Yeah, it's working. But I just don't want to do it. Um, it's just uh, not It's just not appealing to me at all. Yeah. 
but uh, you know my flexibility is is like my achilles heel you know it's what it's what probably 90 percent of my injuries are the result of some type mm. of lack of either lack of flexibility or asymmetric flexibility you know mm. range of motion something mm. you know i have you know because i'm tight i have lots of sort of i think we do call trigger points or adhesions because things have just gotten pulled and scarred tissues sort of developed and i don't know but anyway operation uh, uh operation superhero continues <laughs> <laughs> I, I have made significant progress so how is the um the year of no or the years of no or the many years of no are you are you uh, do you find that you are more contained and focused in, in a better way generally speaking or are you still giving too much of your time to crazy projects I'm not immune to it. <laughs> You're not immune um, to it. <laughs> let me say, um, I'm I'm not getting involved in like little things anymore. You know, when people come to me and say, "Oh, I have this project. Can you help me?" You know, I, I'm sort of like the lost puppy, lost entrepreneur kind of thing. I mean, I'll have lunch with you, and whatever talk over lunch but i'm not going to get involved in, in it i mean i did that with the data vest company and i don't know i think it's like dead i haven't heard anything yeah from him in like two months so i'm not super bullish on that but it doesn't take up any of my time i mean i spent a few you know i mean i probably put in a total of you know 15 hours of work in terms of meetings and phone calls and thinking, you know, but sometimes it takes a brain space. So if someone came up with something that was pretty cool, you might get, you know, do a little bit of consulting kind of thing. Well, not consulting. Uh, you not know what consulting. I mean? Like get taking a chunk, taking some advisor shares or whatever. You look at me like you know something. No, I don't know something. <laughs> I don't know something. I well, I, no, I know something. <laughs> you it's know me. called Jason <laughs> Roberts, <laughs> and I know the kind of stuff that you do. <laughs> let, let me just say this: <laughs> I've decided that I'm a level five vortex <laughs> stuff. I just get sucked into my direction for no reason. If a, if a, if, a, if an asteroid lands or meteor lands in, in Pasadena, it's probably going to land in my front yard. Mm -hmm. Just seems to happen. You know, the whole bat cave syndrome. Like, hey, if you need an opportunity, just come here, hang out here for a week or two. So, so. so I take it that you have gotten involved in something recently that you don't want to talk about. I will talk about it in a couple months. Okay. I think. All right, good. Well, but, um, we can talk about it offline. Yeah. But other than that, I've been really, you know, focused on Math Academy. I mean, Math Academy is pretty, um, pretty all-consuming. There's a lot to do. Nice. And, you know, I'm... I'm and we are coding myself or we're working with Steve a lot or working with Alex and the content team or of course doing the program stuff. I mean, that's, it's, that's sort of always an ongoing issue of identifying kids and talking with parents and working with instructors and that kind of stuff. Have you heard of relativity space? No. Relativityspace.com is a company that is made from, I think some people who've broken away from a few different rocket companies like SpaceX and stuff like this. And they are building, they are building and raising money and have raised a significant amount of money to build machines that can print rockets. Mm. <laughs> and wow. the, you know, and the, the, 
you basically an entirely reimagined process to iterate and scale rockets and build the future of humanity in space. Mm. And um, they, they want to be able to print the rockets on Mars so that we can fly back. Oh. So... Relativity check, Space? Relativityspace.com. Check oh, it out. Oh, that sounds really cool. It's an interesting... And, and it's called... Um, they call their... They call their, their printer Stargate. Ah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so... That does look sci-fi. Yeah. Check it out. Oh, speaking of sci-fi, Colby and I went and saw this movie last weekend. It was called Prospect. I haven't heard of it. So it's an independent film. I didn't know it was an independent film. Well, it was funny. Sandy's like, was asking me, she's like, do you want to see a movie tonight? And, you know, with Colby, and we'll go see. And then we couldn't find anything that, you know, was going to work. Because the only movie, either, you know, whatever. You know, when you have five people, different ages and interests, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a little tricky finding something everybody yeah. like. And there was there was no obvious solution. And then I saw this thing called Prospect, like a sci-fi thing. And I was like, ooh. I was like, how about this? She's like, you and Colby could go. And I'm like, you know what to come? She's like, uh, so no. what you guys split up at the cinema or are you just, no, we were you, here. You, we were here. Oh, okay. Right. And, right. I, and she's like, she's like, you guys go. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, yeah, you guys just go. So like, oh. she's like, I'm totally happy. I'm going to watch my show, you know, Netflix thing. She's watching. So we went down there to the, uh, we had to go downtown to the LA Regal. <laughs> and, um, the, um, the show was, um, I mean, the movie was, it was made for, I don't know, not a lot of, few million bucks maybe mm -hmm. and finally they had this director's chair set up out front so after the movie they had two of the stars and a couple of the writers and a couple of interviews cool. up there and they just were answering questions about the, how they how they came up with the idea and how they developed it and wrote it and where they shot it and how they got the you know it was it was from like a startup perspective the just hustle and build something and do yeah. something it was great so colby and i we didn't stay we after about 20 25 minutes it was getting late and i i was like i gotta get you know get him home so we kind of snuck out of there i felt a little bad because i was like you know i don't want to leave out middle of the yeah yeah um, but yeah. we stayed for quite a while but it was very cool so prospect i'm not sure where it is but it's it's like um um i, I don't i don't want to give too much of it away it's just it's a it's a father and daughter are sort of like prospectors for a certain type of thing and way in the future and and uh, i think um they kind of get marooned on this planet um, the special effects like that's available to just anyone these days is crazy you know yeah it was it was cool but you man, the the, the the lengths that they had to go to to pull this off he was talking about like he's like if i had known that i would be driving an hour every day to have dry hard drives off to the special effects house i could do this stuff that was like three hours from toronto wherever the heck they were from he's like i would never have done it you know it's just he's like but you just don't know how difficult these things are going to be it, yeah they get there he's like you know how many times how many financiers they had to go through and how much you know it was just an incredibly long painful crazy process. hustle movie the boom oh, movie business oh my god it was terrible but they they were just so they were two friends who were english majors neither of them was had, were, had any real education in film or really an experience and they had written and created the short together and then they just kind of this kind of evolved into a, creating a feature and um they were their first and they, feature and, and they co-wrote co and co-directed it great i i thought it was really good you know i mean it was definitely an independent film so it had a different had a, a kind of a rugged feel to yeah. it which i liked and um, like that movie monster yeah yeah like that it was fair, kind of like that, which I like. I mean, it's, in a lot of ways, it's yeah. better. But think yeah. about the thing about these independent films—you just don't know how they're going to end. 
No, you have to, no, it anything have can to, happen. You know, with a yeah. with a with a major no motion Hollywood. picture, it's like everything's gonna end happy. You know? Yeah, be like happy endings. It's like independent it can be really kind of ugly ending or confusing or unresolved or something. Um, I would um, I'd recommend it. Go see if you if you like sci-fi at all. Go see Prospect when it comes to like some kind of independent cinema near you. I think it's good stuff. But it was funny that because I didn't know I didn't know anything. Colby and I get there and. I was I was glad for him to see that and listen so to So you him. didn't even know that it was going to be like at this show and tell kind of thing. No, I just thought it was going to be We're going like to see a, a movie. I just yeah. want to go see a sci-fi movie. That's awesome. Cuz Colby and I both like sci-fi and I was just like, you know, it's this there's a sci-fi movie, let's go see this. Sorry, so it's late. It's uh Oh yeah. I, I think we should call it. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. So, so speaking of being a level five vortex, um, I got a, I got a funny story for you. So on um, Halloween, I took the girls out trick or treating. Um, Sandy and uh, Colby just kind of manned the front door because we had some trick or treaters coming by. So I took them two blocks over. You know that street um, that I've talked about that just has like a million people on Halloween. Mm-hmm. right yeah so it was it was you know of course it's one of those days we're, we're, we're literally just two blocks away and you know it's almost it's like almost like a festival there's so many people there and um so we're you know uh, let's see so izzy is dressed as captain marvel and um airy is dressed as uh, spider gwen so they did their their sort of superhero mm-hmm. thing and we are, you know, we did a you know, handful of houses, and then we're kind of like in between, you know, there's one house really didn't have, um, it really wasn't, uh, they weren't doing trick-or-treating, so I was kind of dead, but we were just kind of walking across the lawn to the next house, and this young woman comes up and, and you know, kind of right behind us and says, oh my God, I love your costume um, to, to Izzy, and um and she did. She had a great costume because Sandy had the, the Captain Marvel because, you know, it's such a new thing. Um, it was such a hard costume to find. Sandy found it. She had to order it from China or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so um, and it was it was a really good looking costume. And, and Izzy with her blonde hair and everything really looks kind of uh, kind of like the character. Mm. Um, and so anyway, she's, she comes and she's like, oh, my God, she's like, you know, something like I love your costume. Your costume is amazing or something. And, and we're like, kind of, oh, oh, you know, and she's like, do you want to meet the real Captain Marvel? <laughs> and we're like, uh, like, sure. And like, I don't really know what she was. I thought like, you know, I, I really <laughs> didn't know what that, what she's talking about. And then this other young woman comes up. She goes, she goes, hi, I'm the real Captain Marvel. I'm Brie Larson. <laughs> and we're like, what? That's bizarre. And that, that was her. Brie Larson is the actor that plays Captain Marvel. Wait, wait. She was walking around uh, wearing her own Captain Marvel outfit on Halloween? Nope. 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 She, she wasn't. She was, <laughs> she actually, she had a costume on, but it wasn't Captain Marvel. It was like some, you know, it was just some other kind Got of it. You're right. thing. And so, I mean, of course, you know, that kind of thing is so surprising <laughs> that you're just kind of like, it takes you a few seconds like, what? to really understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> and I look at her and I'm like, oh my God. You're like, yeah, you know, that is, you, you, you know, pretty large. You are that is actual actor. 
What are the chances? I mean, like Robert Downey Jr. Or, you know, I mean, or, but what are the uh, chances? Like that, literally, that is infinitesimal. There is zero chance that that would ever happen. <laughs> so she goes, and I go, I go, could we, uh, I, I go, could we take a picture with you? And she's like, she's like, sure, but just, just don't tell anyone I'm here. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So we just walk like a few feet over, and there's like this, like you know, like this, you know, SUV or something, and we just stand behind that. And I take a picture of Bree with uh, Izzy and Harry. And it's a really great photo. Um, but it was just, you know, and then she's and, and then, you know, I, I go, do you, do you live around here? And she's like, no, she's like, we, some friends of ours are, uh, you know, have a house here and we're just hanging out with them. Wow. And we're just like, Oh, thank Well, thank you so much. She's like, sure. No problem. You know, happy Halloween. That's crazy. And, and you know what I think, ha- I think what probably happened is her friend is probably like a friend from, you know, high school or college or something like that. And she's, and she's probably just really jazzed that her friend is Captain Marvel. Right. right? She's like, this is so awesome. And she, they're probably, they're hanging out kind of keeping a low profile and she probably, and she's spots a little girl in a Captain Marvel <laughs> costume. It's like, Oh, that's so cool. She's like, she's probably like, let's go and make her night. Yeah. Right. That's probably what happened. And Bree's probably like, okay. You know, and that's, that's what it was. Yeah, that's awesome. And, that's crazy. And they sure they made our they made they made our night for sure. I mean, they made our week. I mean, it was just such an incredible thing to have happen. I was just like, how how does that happen? <laughs> right? I mean, what like you said, what are the chances? The vortex, Le- level five yes. vortex. Yeah, you know, you know what I get that from is um, do you remember? I think it was like a couple of two two years or so ago. Uh, we went to um, Catalina for spring break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just looking, you're doing all the little things like the submarine tour of the ocean and, you know, the whatever. So you're doing all the, you basically did everything you could, you know, pretty much do to, um, while you're there. And there was this one thing, Sandy goes, she was, she's like, there's a UFO tour. And I'm like, oh yeah, we got to do that. That'll be, that'll be hilarious. And so, you know, there's this woman who kind of takes you on like, oh, there's a UFO sighting here and there's a UFO sighting there, whatever. And, you know, it was kind of a mix of like astronomy and then like local lore about the, about the UFO sightings. And she said, she says something like, yeah, well, Catalina is like a level three vortex. And I'm like, oh, what the hell that is? <laughs> that sounds great. That's awesome. So you're a level five. That's awesome. Level five. That's great. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to tell that story because I thought that would be. Uh, I didn't want to wait too far past Halloween, otherwise it would kind of. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah, awesome. That's that's a crazy story. And I'll attach uh, I'll attach the photo of the of the girls. I'll I'll put it in the comment section. Oh, nice. 